Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick, Morning, and Happy Joe. New Year as well. And, and to you too. I, I, although I have to say, Joe, um, I stopped saying Happy New Year to anybody. I'm now wishing them a safe New Year. Yes, I think that's probably the um, probably the way forward for 2021. It's been a, a quite a quick start to the year, hasn't it, in, mm-hmm. um, in terms of news. So we're recording today's episode in the morning of Friday, the 8th of January. Um, to be honest, we probably could record this episode for most of the day, um, but we are going to try to to ring fence our time to 20 minutes. We've got a lot of ground um, to cover. I think what we're going to do is, is we've got two anchor points, really, and then there's quite a lot of web of connected stories that we'll try and cover. So the, the two main things, as you'd imagine, are um, Brexit and the lockdown and the new restrictions that we find ourselves in in the UK. Um, so Brexit with a couple of days to spare, um, a trade agreement was reached. Um, it was quite a thin agreement, I think it's fair um, to say. And I assume so. I, I, you know, when I read about what what was included, I assume that actually it's a it's a goods. There's no services, but it's a free trade agreement for goods, um, and that we were going to expect a bit of paperwork, but nothing major was going to impact the flow of goods. Now, as Nick pointed out to me last night, and I think has been quite a lot uh, in the media this morning, that's really not the case. And there's some complexities that we shall talk about when it comes to actually the, the trade in, um, in goods. Um, the other thing, obviously, is the, the lockdown. Um, the whole of the UK finds themselves under new um, restrictions and schools are closed um, this time, obviously, which is a big difference from November and, and feels more similar back to the spring. So we want to have a look at some of the economic support packages that have been um, agreed and some of the things that have been extended there. And I think that, you know, it's safe to say that we're really kind of piling on new misery to those industries which are already pretty much on their knees from um, the end of 2020. So we'll look at more detail at that and um, and some of the figures that we've got um, on that side of things. So Nick, would you kick us off on <clears throat> the Brexit, the trade issue? Okay. Okay. Um, well, we had the usual um, bluster and flimflam. Um, with the announcement and that it was all going to be fine. Um, and and indeed, <clears throat> I see that um, some of the Brexit, um, the, the extreme Brexiteers uh, yesterday were saying, I can't see what all the fuss is about. Dover looks absolutely fine. Um, that's probably got a, a lot to do with the fact that there was an interesting stat out this morning um, in uh, the... BBC um, Scotland website mm-hmm. that reported um, some uh, customs experts saying that at the moment, 90% of all the paperwork being submitted for clearance for goods movements out of the UK are wrong. Oh my goodness. So there's, there's you know, I mean, let's not get carried away here. There was always going to be disruption for all it was being played down in the euphoria of finally agreeing a uh, the thin deal. Um, and uh, there are multitudinous problems. We've got the thing that I suppose everybody should have thought about but didn't, which was the strength of the UK as a hub 
distributor mm. in a whole range of it's not just it's not just mini engines whizzing backwards and forwards um, between here and the continent. Because this is the thing that when you, when you brought this up when we talked about this yesterday, I said, but but no, you know the rules of origin that was all that was all sorted out, and there, there were kind of certain complex rules that as long as you know the imports were being made from countries which had a, a, a agreement with Europe that was that counted in part of the origin but the the point that you made is that it's not about processing actually so the processing side where you actually add value in the uk is what's covered but the thing that isn't covered is this distribution network well this 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 um wonderful thing that for example um m&s are unable to supply their percy pigs into their French and their Irish operations because they are made in Germany. So they bring them into the UK and they ship them out. And when they ship them to France or to Ireland, they are subject to tariffs because although they are going back to the EU, they are going via the UK, which is a third party. Mm. So the goods as they move, as as, as somebody said, they are now Percy Schwein, not Percy <laughs> Pigs. Um, they um, uh, are not of UK origin, and even if they were shipping them to Germany, it would make no difference. Still, so this is a, a, a big problem, and um, uh, you, what you're finding is that there, there's quite a lot of food and drink hub operation where stuff is brought into the UK, um, broken down, brought in in bulk, broken down, assembled into more complex packages of different products, and then shipped back out again. Mm. That's all attracting tariffs. And and so this is something, uh, no doubt they will find a uh, workaround, but the FT was quite interesting on this particular point. uh, They published the other day a really long article about this. And really, the thing that caught my eye was was this little throwaway remark near the end, where it's just said, um, everybody knows there has to be a solution here, but the trouble is nobody nobody on either side of the channel appears very interested in finding it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shoulder shrugging. And fatigue and... Um... Yeah, all of all of uh, all of that. So I think the answer the answer is that it is um, what we don't know is first of all how big the impact is going to be. We and then we don't know how much is going to be temporary, and how much of it is going to be longer term. I mean, M and S were t- today saying that they now recognise that they've got an additional cost of operating. Uh, as far as their overseas operations are concerned, and they're trying to get a handle on what on how much it is. Mm. which doesn't sound to me like it's going to be temporary but we'll see. no i mean there is i, I mean again i i'm i'm at the edge of my knowledge on this but i know that there is in in 6 months time there's a there's talk about i think this is something the eu were going to do anyway for third countries simplifying the vat um arrangements so that if yeah. you're a third country importing into the eu there'll be a kind of one stop shop in terms of understanding what the vat yeah. um, <clears throat> liability would be but that that's not coming in for another 6 months and then on the other side coming into the uk hmrc have, have, have required um importers to register for Yes, I mean, that's that's not Brexit, Joe. That's HMRC deciding this is a time to tidy up the whole thing. Mm. And they announced to the world that if you wanted to import um, uh, goods, vatable goods into the UK, you had to register for VAT, even if you're in outer Mongolia, um, and uh, charge the VAT and account for it. And quite a lot of uh, overseas businesses have sort of done the other thing and said, no, we're not going to do that. 
So there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on, you know, whether we do see an increase in the number of companies VAT registered and, and that kind of stuff. I know that will come up, I guess, over the next few yeah. weeks, months. We'll be able to tell whether um, whether companies actually are registering or, as you say, are not yeah. are not doing it. Um, yes, and of course, the other angle on on Brexit, uh, which you cu- you covered, uh, but I'll cover the repercussion, um, is that of course, as you said, it covers. The, it covers goods, but it doesn't cover services. And we've already seen um, a lot of share trading um, in European stocks migrate from London to Frankfurt and Paris and various other places. And uh, the FCA, I think it is, was it this morning or last? Yesterday. Yesterday. Warning, <laughs> warning that they had identified uh, out of a survey of 23,000 financial services firms, 4,000 that were at real risk of not making it mm. because of uh, impact on their on their earnings, basically. Yeah, and it's, it's it's this is this is I think we're we're kind of up to <laughs> the um, like pretty shocking job loss figures, and I suppose you know after reading the the, the report from the FCA about the number of um, firms that might be at financial risk, knowing about the impact on Brexit, I think again the FT covered the amount of trading that within the first few days of the um, of the new year that have gone to Europe rather than being in the UK. Now, again, there seems to be that has been being planned for for quite a while. There are subsidiary operations in um, the EU, so in fact, actually. You know, the, the in terms of job losses, there's not expected to be a significant impact for those kind of trading city um, firms. But no, even but so, it's... I do feel like it's creeping. That there seems to be a sense that whereas we've seen job losses quite heavily in those industries that have been most affected by COVID, I think this is just a call that it's not. We're not necessarily immune to that in other parts of the um, economy, and that will have such a big impact on on consumer spending as well, which we know is going to be the the big yes, driver. Um, to recover and already we're talking about we haven't got the um the next gdp figures out are due on the 15th of january um i think so we'll have a look and see um see how things are are looking there but you know we we were expecting a a pickup in december um once the lockdown had been lifted and and i guess that's very unlikely to happen now and we had um resolution foundation last week or i think maybe that's actually between christmas and new year um that already they were saying that they anticipated the the GDP in the first quarter of 2021 being 4.3% 4, 4. growth instead of the 5.5% that OBR had um, had had talked about. So they all be lucky. <laughs> well, yeah, that's and that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think that that there the um, although I think they've priced in the fact in that um, in that forecast that there would have to be more measures taken, you know, in January, um, and even though they hadn't been announced by the time that they, they came out with their assessments. Um, you know, we, we just know, and I looked again back at this, maybe look back at the OBR November reports um, and their analysis of how much private consumption really drives economic growth. In the, and we know that, the, the, you know, consumption is a huge driver of that. And so in 2019, of the 1.3% overall growth in GDP, 0.6% was contributed by um, private consumption. And then of the 11.3%, and that's still a forecast, fall in 2020, almost 10% of that was because of the fall in in private consumption and you know and, and looking ahead 2021 this needs to increase by 4.6 percent or the the contribution is going to be 4.6 percent and in in 2022 the contribution of of um private consumption is 6.1 percent so you know yep. it's so important this confidence is this ability to consume is really 
hugely, hugely important. So, so does that take us neatly to lockdown three? Yes, <laughs> I think it might do. I think, I think, it, it, I think it does. Do. Okay, so um, lockdown three, I mean, it doesn't feel terribly different except... Um, we haven't got uh, children, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I have, I have children. <laughs> oh, I do have children. I've got grandchildren. Thank, thank goodness, there's somebody else's responsibility. Um, but um, the, uh, the 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 reality is that what has changed, without a shadow of a doubt, is public attitudes. Um, whereas people were um, diligent in following the rules in March because they thought it was the right thing to do, and in the summer they were extremely undiligent because they thought it was all over Mm. um and it wasn't um now in lockdown three and because of these extraordinary figures on deaths and hospitalizations and new uh, and this i heard somebody said yesterday that in their area the estimate was that one in 18 people now had the virus wow so it, what it's so we're in lockdown, but I think the the bigger problem is that I think people are genuinely now scared, and and so because that plays into the argument about the vaccine, and we're all hanging um, hanging our hats on getting the uh, getting the holes in our arms that well, will that will, that will 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 free us from this. But nonetheless, the effect is going to be uh, devastating. And of course, um, dear old Rishi leapt into the void with a uh, a 4.6 billion grant um, rescue scheme, which was immediately rubbished by the worst affected sectors. Yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's, this, it's up to nine thousand is a grant. Yeah, but, but you have to have quite a big, big premises to get nine grand. Yeah. You know, an, an awful lot, particularly in in smaller high streets, the premises yeah. aren't that big. Mm. So a lot of people will be getting three or is it six? Is the I can't. Yeah, I think there are tiers. I think there are tiers. There's three three, ti- three tiers, mm-hmm. and I know they're getting three thousand a month as well as that. But I, I really don't see that. <clears throat> making much of a difference and and it's uh, that takes us i suppose into job losses in the sense that um the center for retail research um it, it, on the 4th of jan came out with figures for job losses in hospitality which they said um 163 jump in redundancies thirty thousand job losses i'm amazed it's not more yeah. but of course the reason is they're all on furlough they're all on furlough, and it's interesting that um, uh, even before the November lockdown, 25% of all the workers in leisure and hospitality were still on furlough. Goodness only wow. knows what the percentage is now. Yeah. And half of the 800,000 jobs that had been lost in the pandemic up to November were in hospitality and retail. And that, and that stat predates Tier 4 and lockdown three mm. <clears throat> so you've you've got um uh you've got a major issue here and, I, and frankly uh, you know everybody's grateful to the government for lobbing 4.6 billion quid into the into the economy i don't think anybody frankly believes that that'll help i mean it would help enormously if the government would do the what i think is now inevitable but would get on with doing it which is to announce a further one-year 
um, holiday on business rates. Well, that's right, isn't it? So we've had furlough has been extended now until the end of April, but the VAT deferral. So those, you know, we've talked about that a lot. That that mm. um, the VAT that was due between um, April and June could be paid. It was still it was still a liability, but it didn't have to be paid until the end of March. So that is still end of March deadline. And as you say, the business rates um, yep. holiday is due to end at the end of March. So I think there's got to be a lot of pressure. I mean, and we're already hearing, yep. you know, a lot of, of um, lobbying organisations saying that this the government needs to address this. Um, and I think you're right. I think that's going to be quite difficult to Yes, and, and, and another resist. little 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 uh, reality check, which the government seems to be ignoring, which will affect confidence and will affect consumer spending. The ban on evictions of um, from uh, residential property um, ends in four days. Has that not been extended? I thought that no, had been extended as well. Oh, no, there are five hundred thousand rental tenants, uh, you know, um, people in flats and houses um, currently in arrears. Gosh. And you can bet that there are landlords and lawyers yeah. up and down the country with a whole list of eviction proceedings mm. ready and raring to go. Yeah. And you know, and from and from the other side, you can see that there's there's landlords have been so um handicapped in their ability to actually collect rent, you know, mm. and, and it's certainly fair enough. There are lots of businesses that haven't been in a position to pay. There are lots of businesses that we've talked about here that, that are in a position to pay and haven't. Um, and and I guess, that, you know, as soon as we've said this all along, that as soon as there is a um, a chink somewhere in that in that protective shields that is yep. where the um that is where the the focus will um will be i just wanted to pick up on the um point so we talked about the economic support in terms of um grants and of course the 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 government backed loan schemes are still um up and running but i do think that you know again we we've talked about this and and if you remember back to i think it was september um george osborne um came out saying oh you know this this should all be written off um yeah. and there's been talked about having a student loan style um form of repayment that's linked yeah. to to profits um and i suppose it's really just worth re- reiterating the issue of, of zombie companies this is potentially what we're creating um the bank of england money and credit reports shows that um, the, the increase for SMEs um, in, in borrowing is up 25.2%. And if you get a chance to look at it, it's quite a good um, report. You see the graph and bigger companies are actually starting to be net repairs of debts. But smaller companies, it just goes off the chart in terms of the increase in, in borrowing. Um, and it, Nick, you, you um, did some research from The Telegraph um, uh, early back in earlier October, I think. And, yep. and there they were talking about some of the OECD um, research on zombie companies Um, and in 2017 7.5% of UK capital was stuck in zombies and that was seen to be bringing about a decline in employment growth like 1% decline um, in employment growth and Bank of America um, Merrill Lynch research is saying that even zombies that recovered still proved to be a drag on the economy afterwards so this we're we're kind of creating a time bomb really um, and that's that's got to be looked at in quite a lot of Detail, I think, by the government. Well, well, Joe, let me throw a, throw a number at you. Um, I mean, you'll know the answer. The answer to um, one of the figures we need here better than I will. How many active UK companies are there? Oh, this is you always four, getting it's four, it's million, four million. Mm. Four million. Well, here's a number for you. At the end of December, the government had approved 1.4 million mm. bounce back loans. Which implies that thirty percent 
of the UK's businesses have borrowed money. Yeah. It's, yeah, of course, it's not that simple. Um, but the answer... And there are groups everything in that four million. There will be groups and, and dormant companies and things. But yeah, absolutely, that's a big that's a It's big a big number. number. And, and if the number. estimates earlier, uh, um, I think in the middle of last year, that, um, that half of the bounce back loans will never be repaid... Mm. Either the government writes them off or those companies are going to go bust. Yeah. And again, it's interesting that there is um, yeah, there is quite a lot of concern in the insolvency community about how what, what the banks that have lent that money are going to do, about the extent to which they're going to outsource to aggressive recovery um, experts those uh, you know the, the, those loans which will fall into default mm. in large numbers as we go through 2021 and certainly in 2022. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there have been, again, I'm not on top of the detail of this, but there have been um, some announcements made about the extending of the term of these loans. So I think we'll mm. start seeing payback will start becoming due in April, May time, because there was a year's grace yeah. period, wasn't there? Um, and then I think the, the term can be extended to 10 years, I think. Um, and I think there are all sorts of repayment holidays, so <laughs> capital repayment holidays. And I and I feel you know, these are all good things, but there is a sense that this is can-kicking to a degree mm. and that it's trying to kind of smooth this problem over a period. I, I, I maybe know, but there's, Jane, a, there's, a, there's a bigger background nut, a problem here, um, which is you can kick that can down the road all you like. The answer is, um, what does it do to the ability of those companies to trade on normal commercial yeah. terms? Because, you know, I'm, I'm an ex-insolvency practitioner. I, I know a bus balance sheet when I see one. And um, I suspect a lot of our audience who are on the risk, um, the credit risk side of the, of the equation will be looking at some of their customers and saying, blimey, you know, why am I taking the risk of trading yeah. with these, these people? Because it, 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 ultimately, you know, a company is, it doesn't matter. All my experience tells me that companies that are bust take a long time to fall over. At least that's what I thought for 20 odd years. I think we're in a world now where they may fall over rather, rather more quickly. And it may be as much to do with attitudes in the in the in the market, I mean, lenders will be more cautious mm. after this. They always are after periods of major, major dis commercial disruption, and there's a heck of a lot of battle fatigue out there. Yeah, you know, so so it's all very well saying, oh, you can have ten years to repay it. If if the business if the underlying business isn't isn't viable, it doesn't matter how long you you've got to. Repay it's always it. prolonging the and then it goes back to this point, you know, the the Merrill Lynch and um, OECD research shows you why it's such a drag. Because you know it's not they're just existing, aren't they? And not really contributing yeah. to growth. They're just and they you know, distort competition. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not they're not uh, trading on a basis of meeting their liabilities like other people other in the same class. marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's it's grossly unfair. Yeah. And and you know, you need we're gonna need a mechanism after this to clear the dead wood out of the forest. Yeah, and I guess maybe that is the that is the place to end. I'm, I'm conscious of of time, as I say. I mean, I think I've still got three or four more pages of of notes to look through. I'm sure Nick <laughs> is surrounded as normal by by papers of of um, interesting facts and figures. So I suppose in conclusion, we'll, we'll obviously be coming back. We'll, we'll get back to our regular um, slot on this, and there's plenty more to to talk about. I suppose my, my conclusion is it feels like I'm a broken record by saying there's just more uncertainty. 
and I feel like it's a slightly different type of uncertainty now, if that's makes not a misnomer, but, um, you know, on Brexit, we, we know there's a, a deal, but it's now about the implementation and the, and the real devil in the detail of, um, of these deals. And it's clear as well on the virus side, that in the winter, the virus wins. And our big hope is that the vaccination program will continue at pace and it proves to be effective um, because I think that that is the, the kind of hope that, that's keeping quite a lot of us going now is that there is um, some light at the end of the at the end of the tunnel. Um, and also, you know, again, I think Chris Whitty um, said at one of the press conferences earlier in the week that, you know, even by the end of this year, even by the end of 2021, we can still expect in the winter time some restrictions. Um, so it's clear that it's not um, not going anywhere anywhere soon. So that, I think that's it from from us until next week. Thank you, Nick, again for it's a pleasure helping and, and, and dragging me out of my confusion. I wish it, I wish it was a more positive pleasure, but it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much, and thanks to everyone for for listening. Until next week, goodbye. Mm-hmm.